Um, I don't know about you, but here's what I've noticed about the current um, cultural, political, and pandemic moment, right? Um, particularly now, I, I don't, I, I don't know how many of you heard David uh, Zimmerman's excellent talk on on last Saturday, but um, it had this particular flavor, which I thought was was intriguing, right? It was like. Um, It, it, it asked a number of questions about what are we now and what will we be um, in the in the in this new world that appears to be looming somewhere at the end of the tunnel, right? Um, uh, there was a really really excellent questions, right? Um, and um, I. I've had a number of sort of ancillary conversations with people that that centered around the same um, the same questions, and um, and not not once, but several times, I, what I've heard people say is something like, "I can't wait to get back to my life," right. Um, and I can completely understand the impulse behind that, that statement and behind, behind that desire, right? Um, but it does beg the following question, right? Like, whose life were you living for the last year and a half <laughs> or year at least, right? Um, it's, a, it's a peculiar thing about how we identify ourselves and how we um, uh, corral our experience such that it, um, it fits a particular narrative or set of categories or, um, yeah, um, set of definitions, right? Like, when I think about it, I, this prompted me to, to think about this subject and what occurred to me was, okay, so um, there, there are two sets of questions in the, in the Buddhist literature, in the Khan literature that address um, th this question from two different angles. The first one is, um, you know, who are you? what are you, um, or maybe what is it, right? And the other one is who or what is Buddha, right? So the one of them addresses it from the point of view of the relative and the other one addresses it from the point of view of the absolute, right? Um, so I spent a bunch of time thinking about the, the relative version of this because that's obviously the one that most people are addressing when they, when they um, when they talk about this question, um, and when they say things like "I can't wait to get back to uh, my life," right? Um, if I if somebody had asked me 
and actually probably some people did, right? What are you maybe Yeah, like well, certainly if they, they if they'd asked me that that 20 years ago, what would I have said? I guess I would have said I was an engineer. And probably at that point, a musician, right? If they'd asked me a little earlier, I would have said, I'm a musician and an engineer. <laughs> um, uh, just because of these the particulars of the trajectory of my life. And, and with those assertions went a whole bunch of stuff like, um, ideas about what I did with my afternoons and evenings, the, the, the equipment and, um, and objects that I, that I kept close. Right. And, and so on and so forth. Right. So with the musician stuff, um, it was, you know, more often than not, if you saw me, I'd be carrying around musical equipment a lot, actually, right? Um, even when our rehearsal studios were all in one place and um, and all and all of our gear was there, it still turned out I was always carrying around stuff, right? Um, with with the engineer thing, it was more um, it was more well, it was different, you know. Um, there was always an office I went to and I had colleagues and I had um, these, you know, abstract objects I was working on and so on and so forth. And those were, the, there was a, there was a, a persistent and self-consistent narrative for each of those self-definitions de that I was pretty attached to, I would say, right? Um, but even then, back when, when I thought I had a simple uh, couple of things I could say about, uh, say to the to the question, what are you? Um, it was always more complicated than that, right? So in in that it, it in in both of those times, I um, I was obviously part of at least um, a family you know, um, intimate, uh, uh, long-term relationship, um, uh, San Francisco Zen Center and, and, you know, the practice of, practice of Zen, um, and, and the, the, the list goes on and the, the relationships between those definitions and narratives is quite complicated. And they're, they're, the, it's interesting because, if you know if somebody says to you, "What are you?" and you say, "Okay, well, I'm an engineer," right? Okay, in a particular context, that's good. But but if you if you pause to think about it and really really settle into the question, other start stuff starts popping up. Like again, what about the you know the like substantial percentage of your of your time you spend um, engaged with 
with family, right? What about the substantial percentage of your time you spend engaged with your social network, right? Um, it's a, it's a, um, it's not a simple question to answer, and um, almost any answer, any simple answer that you can come up with doesn't even come close to summing it up, right? Um, and it actually can kind of be misleading and, and can even kind of, you know, like if you're, um, let's say your, um, your significant other asks you, what are you? And you say, well, you know, I'm an engineer. Um, uh, he or she might reasonably answer, <laughs> really? <laughs> Et cetera, right? So, so it, it, the answers to those questions can be problematic, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, from the other side, from the, the point of view of the absolute, um, people in the Zen world are always asking, the question, you know, who or what is Buddha, right? Um, somebody even asked, there's a koan where somebody just even says, um, hi, I'm Hui Jiao, and I'm asking, what is Buddha? And the teacher, I forget who it is, but um, says, you are Hui Jiao. Right, so there, there's a there's the there's the question taken from both sides at once, right? Um, but the but the question, what is Buddha, is intended to um, to get at something that's more universal and less complex and multi-layered about the human condition that we somehow mysteriously share in common. Right, um, the are this kind of unloaded um, uh, you know unloaded uh, receptive awareness and attention that that isn't so much involved with with self-construction and identity, right um, And that that too is a a part um, fundamentally a part of what are you right um, the the most probably the most skillful answer to the question what are you um, at least in the literature is due to the you know the famous Zen teacher Zhao Zhou so. Um, Zhao Zhou, as a little background, wasn't originally called Zhao Zhou. He was, um, I forget what his original family name was, but when he settled down and became a Zen teacher um, at, I think, the age of 80, um, he, had a, he had this complicated life where he became a Zen student around, you know, age 20, 
he um, he he was assistant. He was the personal assistant to his teacher for I want to say forty years, <laughs> and then he his teacher died, and he went on a on a twenty year pilgrimage um, around China, um, and he's what he said was. I'm gonna go around and if I meet a four-year-old that can teach me something, I'll sit down at her feet. And if I if I meet a, you know, a kind of venerable, a wise and venerable um, octogenarian who feels like they need help and instruction, I'll be happy to, to give it to them, right? Um, so we went around and did that for about 20 years. And then finally somebody said, hey, <laughs> you, should really, you should really stop wandering around now. We have this nice monastery in the town of Zhaozhou. Why don't you go there, settle down and, um, and be a teacher? And he, he, the story is that he, he did, he settled down in, in the town of Zhaozhou and he lived until he was 120 um, and, uh, and taught um, at all comers basically. Um, so at one point, someone walks through the door and and uh, in, in the course of a discussion they had after that, uh, asked him the question, what is Jojo? And Jojo says this really amazing poetic thing. He says, East Gate, West Gate, South Gate, North Gate, um, which, um, the questioner assumed meant he was talking about the town of Jojo. And he goes, no, I'm not talking about that Jojo. And Jojo goes, wait a second, which Jojo were you talking about, right? Um, Jojo meant East Gate, West Gate, South Gate, North Gate. Um, in other words, if you think about it as a metaphor, what he's saying is that this one is an intersection, right? Is a, is a crossroads, is a place where information and energy come in and go out, right? Um, from, from all directions, right? And that, that's a really skillful way to talk about the question of what are you, right? And, and it aligns, um, um, Oddly enough, with a with a this idea that arose in the sort of uh, the um, the world of of kind of late twentieth century uh, cultural criticism of intersectionality, right? So uh, it's you know it's the same it's the same word basically, um, and the it was originally conceived as a, as a way of talking about the ways in which, um, as we were saying before, people have different identities and the, and the categories that they used in the discussion because it was about privilege and oppression, right? Were, uh, you know, race, class, um, ability and, and so on, right? Um, and, you know, those are useful, those are useful sources of, of identity and, and influences on the story that we tell ourselves about, about who we are, 
right? But um, since then, that idea has um, has spread out and become uh, more nuanced. And in the in the Zen world, the you could argue that intersectionality includes the whole picture, right? So I'm an intersection of the of the exchanges between myself and family, friends, students, teachers, um, uh, you know, and then it, it even goes further than that. Cats and dogs, tiles, pebbles, um, etc. There, all of those things are are um, are. subjects that reside in memory and are and cause and and are associated with patterns of behavior patterns of thought um, uh, and the the manifestations of self right we're all intersections we're all we all we're all the flow of energy and information in and out Right, we're all um, sort of knots tied in space and um, and time, and interact with the world in that way, in that in that richly patterned way. And this the and in order to corral that, because that's quite complex, right, and a little bit to get hard to get a handle on. In order to corral that. Um, we build stories. That's what we do. That's that's kind of who we are. It's we're the ones that build stories about ourselves and about the world, right? We build a model for the world and a model for the self. And about that model, we tell these stories. I am um, uh, you know, I guess if, if you were to ask me what I was today, I'd say um, you know, kind of a Zen teacher or something, right? Um, that's a that's a convenient a convenient story, and it hides a lot of detail. Which, um, if I were to have to consider it, consider all of it every time I took a step, I probably wouldn't make it from the side of my bed to the kitchen in the morning to make myself a cup of coffee. So it's it's there's there's some convenience in being able to simplify and um, and narrate a life, but as we all know, those simplified narratives can't possibly. Um, sum up or capture the actual reality of being of a human life and so there's there's a constant collision between self-narrative and reality um and that's where the trouble starts right um so and that's when people start saying things like man i can't wait till this is over so i can get back to my life right um the the 
the extremity of the disjunction between the the original self-narrative in a case like that and the reality of the moment is so large that it feels unbridgeable. And the only thing you can do is just hunker down and hold on until somehow that uh, that other self-narrative can reassert itself, right? Um, that can lead to a kind of impoverished existence, right? If you're, if everyone is so attached to their story of self that they can't let in the reality of the moment, then they're skipping over everything. Right? And you can get to the end of your life and go, oh, wow, look at that. I missed a lot. So, um, so the, the story, the, the question told from the other side, what is Buddha points to a, a, a way of being in the world that softens that narrative and those assumptions and that kind of laser focus on the story of me and opens into appreciation of what's actually happening now, right? Um, and a kind of unconditioned appreciation of just the fact of being alive and human, right? Um, so why not, right? Why not be a Buddha? Um, it doesn't mean you're not human and it doesn't mean you you get to live without a self-narrative. Everybody has to be able to tell themselves a story so they can get out of bed in the morning and walk to the kitchen and make themselves, you know, tea or coffee or something. But, um, but it means you can live skillfully and comfortably and playfully with that narrative as opposed to being run around by it. Um, and where the story of the self can be flexible and, uh, and fluid without um, being confusing. Um, so does anybody have any questions about that or comments? Um, did I leave anything out? Um, what do you think? Um, I, you, I don't know how many people are in the group, maybe, uh, Maybe you could raise your raise your hand and and get unmuted that way. Is that possible, or or what do you think? Um, any questions?